Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Bethany was a small town, only about two miles as we measure distance from Jerusalem itself. And as you know, it was the hometown of three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they were friends of Jesus. You know, Jesus had disciples. Jesus had crowds that followed him. But he also had close friends. That word of God became so fleshly that Jesus had close friends, dear friends, with whom he would dine. And when you have time later tonight or this Holy Week, maybe you should read chapter 11 of John's Gospel. Because it's in those verses that we hear how Lazarus had become so sick, so afflicted that he died. And one of the shortest and sweetest verses in the Bible records Jesus' response to his passing. There in verse 35 of chapter 11, it's just two words and many of you know it. Say it with me if you remember. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He was moved to tears by the death of a friend and the grief that he saw in Lazarus' sisters. And it was right there in Bethany, just outside the city of Jerusalem, that we have a foretaste, a foreshadowing of the great resurrection of our Lord on Easter Sunday because it's there that Jesus raised Lazarus. So as we celebrate Palm Sunday, we should remember that it was on the way from this Bethany, this Bethany, this town, this village to Jerusalem that Jesus rode a donkey and was greeted by those shouts of Hosanna by the crowd waving their branches of palm and placing them on the road. The entire scene of this Palm Sunday may seem rather odd to us. I mean, how often do you see what we heard John describe? Unless you do some serious adventuring in high country in the mountains, you've probably not seen anyone riding or packing a donkey lately. And when a champion, a hero, a dignitary comes to town, we aren't in the habit of raising, waving palm branches, are we? I mean, some of you who are new to our congregation wondered, what are these green things doing on the table today? Well, it's Palm Sunday, and Christians for centuries have remembered the waving of palms by holding them when we gather for worship. And that word Hosanna, I preached on it before, is not a word we find ourselves saying or hearing on any regular basis. No one shouted Hosanna to the Tar Heels this past Monday night. There was a lot of fist pumping and chest bumping, but no Hosannas. In fact, for most Christians, Hosanna is a word that we use once during the whole year, one week before Easter, and only one week before Easter. And for the rest of the year, honestly, we kind of put that word away. The only place that this word Hosanna appears in the Old Testament is in the book of Psalm, Psalm 118, verse 25. 
And I'm not trying to uh, show off my Hebrew and Greek. As a matter of fact, I've forgotten more Hebrew than I remember these 33 years since seminary. But I do remember this one. Hosanna comes from that very Jewish phrase, Hoshiana. Say that with me. Hoshiana. That phrase in the original Hebrew was a cry for help. It was a cry of people afflicted, in need of saving. It means we beseech you, save us, save us now, come to our rescue. It is a cry for assistance. But much like our English language, as phrases and words take on new and different meanings over the years. I mean, I still remember the first time I heard young people at an El Dorado basketball game screaming sick when some young athlete made an awesome move on the court. I thought sick meant sick. It now means really cool. I'm getting old. Hoshiana changed its meaning over the years. And in fact, in Psalm 118, that cry, Hosanna, Hoshiana, is almost immediately followed by this exclamation, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The cry for help was answered almost before it came out of the psalmist's mouth. And over the centuries, Hoshiana stopped being a cry for help as it once had been. Instead, it became a shout of joy and gladness and exultation. It used to mean, save us, please. But it came to mean, we're saved. Salvation is here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that significance of the donkey is worth thinking about this morning. As Jesus entered the city and the palm branches were being waved. It's a fulfillment of the prophecy spoken by Zechariah. That's in chapter 9, verse 9. In those days, a donkey was symbolic of peaceful intentions. I mean, you can't look too menacing or intimidating riding a donkey, huh? Anyone who came to a city, to a village, riding upon a donkey was announcing to those who were watching the approach, the procession, that I have no evil intent. I come to do no harm. I come in peace. And the laying of those palm branches indicated that you are welcome here. We see that you're coming in peace. We receive you with hospitality. You are welcome among us. So into Jerusalem comes Jesus during what we know were the final days of his earthly ministry before he would be betrayed, uh, flogged, crucified. Into Jerusalem comes the Son of God on a donkey with shouts of Hosanna. He indeed entered the city peacefully. He's the Prince of Peace. And by the end of that week, the crowd that had been shouting Hosanna would turn violent, screaming, crucify him, away with him, crucify him. And just days later, on that Friday we called good, he would be carrying a cross out of Jerusalem up onto a lonely hill.
where he would be put to death. So, let's be honest. To the person who doesn't really know Jesus as Lord, to the person who has yet to be moved and transformed by the power of the cross, all this might seem like just a really sad, tragic story. It sounds like another woeful tale of a young man, an idealist who was on top one moment and then in the gutter the next. Just another story of a winner who had it all but didn't play his cards right and wound up a loser. But to those who are in Christ, to those who know Christ, for those who see in the events of this holy week God's perfect plan of love, grace, and mercy unfolding, this is no tragedy. This is not a tale of a loser who fell from grace. This, indeed, is God's grace on full display. This is what Jesus came to do. And make no mistake, he rode that donkey into Jerusalem knowing full well that he was going to die. And that one dying on the cross is the hero, the champion, not just of a story, or of some fable, but the hero of history, the Lord of history, the champion of all time. I want you to listen now to the verses that follow our Palm Sunday reading. I'm picking up on verse 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival, that's the festival of Passover, were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answers them, The hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it. Those who hate their life will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It's for this reason that I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said, Hey, it's thunder. Others said, An angel has spoken. But Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Glory on display. Lift it up. This is the language of a Roman coronation ceremony as the emperor Caesar would be lifted up above the people declared to be not just the ruler but a sun god, S-U-N, divine stature. Jesus is saying, well, I'm going to be lifted up, not on a throne, but on a cross. And it's there as I bleed and suffer that you see God's glory. Jesus was not lifted up on the shoulders of his adoring fans. 
He was lifted on a cross to show God's glory. He did not wear a palm branch crown like the Roman warriors who returned in victory. He wore a crown of thorns that was forced into the flesh of his head. And this is glory, says Jesus. Well, it's certainly not the glory of this world, is it? It's the kind of glory that takes this world and turns it upside down. Remember what those Greeks said to Philip. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Perhaps they were hoping for a little private audience, a little intimate conversation, but there would be no interview on a soft couch. There would be no doing lunch in a Jerusalem bistro with pleasant conversation. To see Jesus, to understand Jesus, to know Jesus, you look to the cross. You look to Christ crucified. Remember what took place in Bethany. Jesus wept when Lazarus died. That was his response because the word became fully flesh. His heart was hurting. He wept because he loved. He loved Lazarus. And he carried a cross and died on it. That was his response to your need and my need of a Savior because he loves us. What might you do? What are you going to say? How should you and I live in response to this kind of love, this kind of glory? Well, allow me to read again from some following verses in John's Gospel. A considerable number from the ranks of the leaders believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they didn't come out in the open with it. They were afraid. For when push came to shove, they cared more for human approval than for God's glory. They cared more for approval than this bloody, loving glory on display on a cross. They wanted their power they wanted their positions. They wanted to keep their reputations intact, and so they stayed quiet. They didn't follow Jesus. Martin Luther once said, Whatever a man loves, that indeed is his God. Whatever a man loves, he carries it in his heart. He goes about with it night and day. He sleeps with it and wakes with it. This Holy Week would be a good time to ask of ourselves, what do we love? Whom do we love the most? Whatever it is, that's your God. And this would be the time to ask of ourselves, is Jesus my Lord? Or is it someone else or something else? And as you think about that question, and I'm doing the same, remember this, Jesus loves us more than reputation more than approval from the crowds. And he loves us far more than we deserve. He endured the agony 
the shame and the pain of the cross, not because he was a loser, but because he loves us. And he came to win the battle that we might live with him forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please remain seated as we sing our next hymn. It's uh, number 104, In the Cross of Christ I Glory. Through the words of the Apostles' Creed, we declare not only our faith in the triune God, but our unity with Christians around the world through the ages, our unity with the Christians who died earlier today in Palm Sunday worship in Egypt. So as you're able, please stand as we declare our faith in Father, Son, and Spirit. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Ushers, thank you for serving today. Please come forward now. You may be seated as we present our tithes and offerings to the Lord of the Church.
Kirsten Wilder is a member of my staff, and a good one at that, and she has a special announcement for you ladies. Thanks for being here, Kirsten. Good morning. Um, ladies, I'm here to remind you about our upcoming uh, spring luncheon on Saturday, April 22nd. We have lots of these envelopes still available in the fellowship hall. And um, today is our official deadline to sign up. But if you don't have your checkbook or your cash with you, just come and talk to me and we'll take care of that. Thank you very much. Once again, we have provided you with uh, inserts describing our Holy Week schedule of worship, two services, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday at 7 p.m., and our Easter uh, celebration, Saturday and Sunday. We're hoping that you'll take those and not just leave them here and uh, pass them along to a coworker, a classmate, a friend, a neighbor, someone that might not have a church home that you could personally invite to come and be a part of this uh, great week as we remember. Um, the obedience of Christ, his death on the cross, and his Easter victory over sin and death. I want to thank all of the uh, scouts and the uh, parents, the leaders who assisted them. You may have noticed this morning that the uh, paint on our curbs and on our steps looks a bit fresher. That's because the scouts were hard at work, uh, scraping off the old paint and giving it a fresh uh, coat for this Holy Week. So we thank the scouts for their service to our congregation. Some of you also may have noticed out on Spain a new blue receptacle um, that is there with council approval. We heard a presentation from uh, good people from Wheels for the World about this opportunity to take um, discarded uh, wheelchairs no longer uh, being used. Wheelchairs in need of repair, they can be um, simply left in that receptacle. And uh, once it fills up, we just give a call to the people who serve in that organization. They pick them up refurbish them as needed, and they go literally around the world where people are too impoverished uh, to afford a wheelchair or simply have no access to that kind of medical equipment. So if you or someone you know has a wheelchair that's just gathering dust, that might be a good place to uh, donate it. And I thank you in advance for considering that. So we pray together now for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and others according to their needs. Lord God, we are taught in your word to pray for those who are sick and afflicted. And so we lift these brothers and sisters to you by name, trusting that you will touch them with your healing hand and give them the peace that the world cannot provide. Carolyn Andreas, Kevin Brown, Colleen Comerford, Sandy Cuthbert, Stacy Donahue, Mia Farone Dunn, Bill Easley, Jed Friedman, Cassie Gardner, Carmen Gillis, Christopher Golden, Jedediah Haas, Ken Lockman, Elizabeth Letterer, Brenda McGartland, Edna Moore, Abigail Stewart, Jim Thompson, and all those friends and loved ones we name in the quiet voices of our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray that you would comfort those who are grieving the death of loved ones in the churches in Tanta and Alexandria, Egypt. We pray for those injured and those who are even now uh, 
ministering to their, their physical needs. We pray that you would keep us faithful to our high and holy calling in Christ in the midst of such evil. And that you would save us from despair. For Christ himself has promised not even the gates of Hades can prevail against his church. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of life, God of grace, we rejoice with the Gibbs family at the baptism of Avon. And we pray that you would bless his parents, Jared and Alyssa, as they raise him in faith, hope, and love. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray that you would grant wisdom to all elected and appointed officials in our government. Help them to seek your will in all things. We pray that you would make us faithful in our public witness, that others would see in us the light of Christ and give you the glory. Lord, in your mercy. We pray again for all members of our law enforcement community, first responders, the men and women serving in our nation's armed forces. We remember those who are deployed far from home and go into harm's way. Give them strength and courage. Help them to persevere. And we pray that you would watch over families back home who, who wait and wonder. Give them your peace, Lord. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for all the Christian congregations in our city that you would help the baptized people of God to serve you well and lead many to Christ who don't yet know him. Give every pastor the courage he or she needs to preach your word with power, to preach it in its truth. We pray for our sister congregations in our Lutheran church body this week in Ohio, Zion Lutheran and Montpelier, and in Oklahoma, Lighthouse Lutheran Church in Edmond. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The Lord God bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine on us and be gracious to us. The Lord look upon us with favor and give us peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stand for our closing hymn, please. Number 92, were you there?
in peace this Holy Week and serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Amen.